This week's major spoilers podcast go out to Ray Greenlee, Stephen Howland, Charles Muir, Daniel Berg, and Jeffrey Arbo in Soviet Russia. Podcast sponsors them. Major spoilers theme song. The Major Spoilers podcast is on the air. Pod on on the air. The Major Spoilers podcast is on the air. On the air. Pod pod podcast. I'm Matthew. I'm Rodrigo. And I'm Stephen. If you're listening to the Major Spoilers podcast, 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 The Major Spoilers podcast is on the air. Welcome to issue 463 of the Major Spoilers Podcast. Man, you people are getting an earful of Matthew and I this week. First on Wednesday for the Major Spoilers Podcast 461. Then you had us for Dueling Review on uh, that fantastic book, uh, Vampirilla versus Fluffy One-Shot. <laughs> then you've got us here again today, and then you've got us again tomorrow. Well, actually, everybody's in tomorrow for the uh, awesome. for the Critical Hit Podcast, or Saturday, or depending on when you listen to it. I really, seriously, honestly, We're people. Have some other people to try and you know, kind of, kind of cut the bitter. It's like when you're when you're cooking with root beer, you need a little savory in there to offset the sweetness. It's like that. If people aren't aware of our other podcasts, if you're not aware of Top Five, you yes. need to go and listen to Top Five. Now we're on a hiatus for a couple of weeks because our schedules got all messed up. But go back. Everybody's like, "Oh my gosh, your Top Five Halloween candies is the best. Is the bomb." Da bomb. Uh, da bomb. Uh, go back um, and, and listen to that. Go check it out over at iTunes or over at Major Spoilers. People are losing their crap over Critical Hit right now because of the things that are going on there. Um, Holy moly, Charlie's getting married. Yeah, over at uh, Two and a Half Men. You want to go check that out? And then uh, we've got this <laughs> podcast. A, we've got a, Dueling Reviews. Joke, oh, okay. Um, what else? I think that's it of our podcast right now. Isn't it? Right now, I think it's top five. Oh, Munchkinland, Munchkinland, or as we like oh. to uh, refer to it as. Uh, Matthew's not in it. <laughs> thank God. No, um, <laughs> Munchkinland podcast. If you My want to Steven see how. I'm not part of <laughs> no, I'm not a part of that podcast either. So go check well, you it out. You know what? I have a podcast that you're not part of. What? But Please. since you own the recording equipment, nobody can hear it. <laughs> it's, it's called I Talk to Myself in My Car as I Drive to Work, episode no, actually- 627. Why can't I be on Steven's podcast? It's me and the kid talking about why Steven is a stinky butt <laughs> and how we should go to Panera. It's a great podcast. Yes. You should totally listen yes, to it. Yes, I'm sure people could if they could only This week it was it. all about uh, making, uh, making jack-o'-lanterns and why she's stealing my mega silver action figure. I see. Rotten little kid. My, uh, my interactions with my ch- kid have just been a lot of yelling lately. So, Well, I have that too. Uh, I had asked people. Prior to recording the show. Do to you middle some... name your kid, by the way? Oh, yeah. When he's in trouble, he knows. Yeah. He knows. Because I'll be like, Midget Elizabeth, and she'll be like, Doat. Yeah, yeah. I think we go back and say there's an episode called What's in a Name. People can find out what the name of my kids are if they're really interested. I don't really share their names that much. Um, so I just refer to him as the boy is the oldest. He's now five and a half. Parker, Bruce, the, and Parker. Yes. The sidekick is uh, one and a half now and uh, is even is is a terrible child, to be honest. Kid is out of control. <laughs> I'm sure that your mother would say the same thing about you. No, actually, she would say, no, you know what? When you were a kid, you used to go into your playroom, play by yourself. You kept yourself occupied. You generally weren't too much trouble. But the sidekick, man, 
for when he first started walking, he would go into the playroom, he would sit down and he would play by himself for a long time. I was like, oh, this is going to be so nice if he's this way, not needy, not clingy. And then I don't know what happens, but now this kid is just Mr. No Fear climbing on top of the couch, on the back of the couch, ready to fall off. Uh, yep. Just, you know, just Gave insane. Gave him too much autonomy, and now he thinks he's Batman. Well, yeah, that's what he does think. That's that's a problem. I'm going to have to pull some Joker on his butt and uh, take care of him. <laughs> um, Are you voiced by Mark Hamill? Because that would be kind That of would be kind of cool, wouldn't it? So I asked people to, uh, to send us some questions either through Twitter or we've got a bunch of email things. So I think this week... We're just going to uh, run through some of these. Of course, coming up this week, we've got the big election. Matthew, yeah. did you vote early or do you just go down on the day? Oh, um, no, no. I, I do, you, do you even vote? How I? Oh, yeah, I always vote. I okay. just don't show up early. Oh, okay. Yeah, my wife, my wife did the uh, absentee ballot. preparation. My wife did the absentee ballot because she's uh, works. And uh, I know my son did a voting thing at school today, but I'm going to take him with me anyway. So he can see how it's really done. Mm-hmm. But uh, young Jimmy asks um, if Ted Cord and Ollie Queen ran for U.S. president, who would you guys vote for? Are we presuming that Ted Cord isn't dead? That's well, I guess that's one of the things. It does say uh, Are we pre-relaunch. presuming that Ollie Queen isn't the D bag from Arrow? Yeah, that's what I'm going to say. It does say pre launch, pre relaunch. So I'm assuming in the old uh, continuity. Okay. But in the old continuity, Ted Cord was dead. Yes, I know. Let's just pretend that he's alive. They're digging okay, up Reagan and running him again. Well, here's the here's the thing that I have with this, and don't get me wrong. Um, you know, I'm not trying to start a political discussion, but comic books as a whole seem to have kind of a what what people would refer to as a sort of a liberal bias, and I feel like Ted what? Cord and Oliver Queen, yeah. Ted Cord and Oliver Queen, while different in their expression of it, are very similar in their in the their politics. I think they're both, you know, uh, we have this wealth and we're going to go and help people and do things and shoot people in the gut with arrows while we're doing it. You know, kind of a, we are going to go out and, and save the world sort of thing. Not necessarily what I would look at as as a different perspective. But voting between the two of them, I would have to vote for Ted for two reasons. One. Oliver is a hothead. Yeah. Prone to making bad decisions in the heat of the moment and then sticking with them and trying, you know, trying to show why these decisions were good decisions <laughs> until it's clear that everybody in the world is looking at him and going, no, really a bad decision. Yeah. You schmuck. Uh, I would not vote for either one of them because you have to bring into question the honesty of someone who hides behind a mask. Oh, well, Oliver hides behind a very small mask, so that might Yeah, but he's different. also got that cheesy beard, so, yeah. And you know what? We haven't had a bearded president since the 18th century, I believe. There you go. Um, but if, if I had, if I was forced to choose a comic book character for president, yeah. you know the one that I would vote for? Who? Wonder Woman. Well, that'd be a good one. You wouldn't vote for because Prez? Prez Rickard? <laughs> he did become president. I would actually consider <laughs> voting for Neil Gaiman's Prez Rickard, um, but I don't want to live in the funny animal freakout universe that uh, the Jerry Grandinetti Prez series yeah, started yeah. in. Because in issue three, Dracula shows up at the White House 
but he's an old Dracula who has no legs, and he's delivered in the in the, the case of a guitar, and he rolls around the White House like Eddie Murphy in Trading Places on a little wheeled cart, snapping at people's necks, and I'm just like, I don't want to be in that <laughs> world. Blah. It's scary. It's Blah. raw. Blah. I'm old. <laughs> Uh, I'm 450 years old. What? Why do I talk like Jackie Mason? What, what is that noise over there? That's not Transylvania. What is stupid? <laughs> oh, uh, we got a lot of these today. What you're are in trouble for that? What? Not me. Well, certainly not me. I can do it. <laughs> <laughs> what are uh, your guys's takes? What are your guys' take on Disney buying Lucasfilm and announcing the new Star Wars film? Uh, we already talked about that in the previous uh, episode for like in about a half hour or so, yeah. Cautiously optimistic. Yeah. And uh, it seems like something where oh, six companies own everything anyway. Yeah, pretty much. So you should listen to the major spoilers. What was it, 460? 460. That's the one that you want to Four. – no, 461. I'm sorry. 461. Check out 461. We actually have a pretty in-depth discussion. Uh, Steven and I remain mostly – nice and don't yell at each other during yeah it. i mean i'm a real big disney fan so it's real hard for me to um really find fault i mean growing up it was just disney 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 in the house all the time and, um, and i'm a fan of star wars merchandise even though i hate the in, in the expanded universe yeah, yeah. so lot. you can go you can go hear about that and you can also hear rodrigo and his parents reaction to that nice um excuse me I'm trying to see if there's another Twitter, 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 nothing Twitter. So let's go to the Major Spoilers Feedback email. You can send us questions at podcast at Majorspoilers.com. Some of these guys go back a long, long way. Oh, here we go. Kind of apropos, May 25th, 2012. Been listening to your show these past several years. Maybe someday you will get to my question. Um, probably not. I uh, just wanted to write Next to you question. about last week's episode, the star Wars legacy and the like agree with you on what you say about the legacy series. The only storyline I liked in that comic was the Mon Calamari massacre arc that didn't feature Cade Skywalker and most Gary Stu characters since star killer from force unleashed. Uh, I would yeah. disagree though on saying there are too many factions. Um, it's the one thing that was different than the movies that was interesting, but I'm also a fan of game of Thrones so I enjoy the political intrigue and many factions trying to one-up each other for power. Which comes to my question. Do all Star Wars stories, be it graphic novel or books, need to follow the same format as the movies, i.e. good protagonist versus evil antagonist? Or can we have stories that are like Game of Thrones, Westerns, romances, and so on? Well, well I you know, I Star Wars itself have... is a Western set in space. True. And, you know, Star Wars itself is also a, a serial Mm-hmm. And also, it's a you know a, a, an Akira Kurosawa movie. I think that Star Wars, to say that Star Wars is a genre, is somewhat disingenuous because Star Wars is actually a mishmash of several different genres. But Star Wars is basically a cowboy movie, yep, broken down and you know throw in a little of uh, the hero's, hero's journey, journey. Mm-hmm. yeah, and you can really see that cowboy motif in, you know, Han Solo's love for his ship slash horse mm-hmm. and the, you know, the bonding and the who will get the girl moment and the evil bad guy with the black hat yep. and the good guy with the white, well, tunic, you know, it's, it's all very, very iconic. And I think that you can tell a star Wars story that is not 
uh, young, rude whippersnappers against the evil empire. Mm-hmm. But I think that a lot of the fan base will be alienated by it because I think that people believe that Star Wars is about rebellion against the evil empire, which is why the evil empire keeps coming back. Well, and you also have to keep in mind that when Star Wars came out, we were right still in the thick of the Vietnam War. So this was kind of anti-establishment. Here are these rebels fighting against, you know, this military society. Yeah. Uh, so you can and read was, a little bit into that as well. It was a very anti-establishment time, even oh, sure. taking into yeah. account Vietnam, which I think ended in 75. But Maybe, um, yeah, sure. I think what what you've got is a very anti-establishment period where, you know, you look at the evil empire. You can take that as saying, well, there was still a Soviet Union and they were still a credible threat in 77. Yeah. But also, you know, the evil empire in terms of, oh, my gosh, we have, you know, this is right after Nixon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you so know, there's a lot Nixon of that in there. At the time, was widely vilified as this horrible, right. horrible creature. And, and I think also, two people need to look at some of the other uh, films that were coming out in that same time period. Now, sci-fi-wise, there, was there wasn't that. very much. It was really kind of dreck. Uh, but when you look at other establishment and anti-establishment type films and the films that were coming out by this, um, I don't know what you call them, the young punk generation of, of filmmakers, the Scorseses, yeah. the... Um, yeah. Lucas's, the Spielbergs, the all coming Coppola's. out of this. Yeah, the Coppola's, even though Coppola was much, much older than the others. Um, right. They were really doing some very different things, and that's kind of what made people sit up and take notice about them. So, yeah, I think that the quality in Star Wars was not it's something new and different. It mm-hmm. was taking that that motif seriously, taking what was for some people a throwaway, a, a, a Star Wars, you know. A, a direct sci-fi movie or a Buck Rogers serial that you crank out for extra bucks and taking it seriously yeah. and treating the material straightforward, having the humor come from the character interactions and not from, oh my gosh, isn't this ridiculous? Mm-hmm. And most importantly, yeah, you can have any story you want to tell in the Star Wars universe, yep. but the Star Wars universe is inherently limited by a couple of factors. One, it's a space opera. People have expectations of a space opera, whether they're you know realistic or unrealistic. If you tell a story that's too far afield, people are like, no, that ain't Star Wars. You're stupid. Right, right, right. I mean, George Lucas, the creator of Star Wars, gets told you made a movie that wasn't really Star Wars when you made, you know. <laughs> have you seen that? Have clones. you seen that movie, The People versus George Lucas? No, I don't necessarily have a thing for documentaries. They always seem like they're inherently kind of, you know, there's there's a little too much <laughs> bias. Like, in yes, you think? You think? Uh, yeah. yeah, I haven't watched it yet either. I kind of want to see it just to see what it's about. Personally, I, you know, George Lucas can, in my mind, can just do whatever he wants because he's George he can Lucas. do it. Yeah, he's George Lucas. Well, I mean, you could do whatever you want to, Matthew. It really doesn't bother me. If you want to go oh, in I'm and- I'm going to and, bed. Well, all right, <laughs> there you go. But not before you answer this question. Hey, Major Spoilers crew. I've heard on multiple episodes how much Matthew likes uh, Kaizuko Sentai Go Kaiser. Yes. Yeah, there. I put that special effect in there just for our listeners. I was wondering what he thought of the Go Kaiser versus Gavin movie or Gavin movie. Gavin. And and how they point out how Space Sheriff Gavin, Battle Kenya, and Dinah Mm -hmm. Blue were all the same actor and how Guy is the only one who can tell them apart. I <laughs> love that. No, 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 no. Here's the thing, Stephen. You'll appreciate. This. Oh, I'm sure I do. Oh, it's kind of like uh, it's kind of like now that uh, that uh, uh, Disney owns Marvel and Lucasfilm. It's like, how do you come to grips with the fact that Mace Windu 
and Shield, uh, Nick Fury, are the same person. Oh, crap. Well, first you start by saying, what does Captain America look like? <laughs> now, second, the thing about this Space Sheriff Gavan movie that was wonderful to me is um, the Gavan series, the Space Sheriff series really kind of tanked in the, like the early 80s. But back in the day when they started doing um, the Super Sentai, the original Sentai series in Japan, your suit actor and your actor were the right. same guy. right. And the guy in question, uh, Kenji Oba, I believe his name is, was a suit actor who started out in one of the very earliest, um, I think the earliest, very, very earliest uh, episodes of the Sentai series. And Kenji Oba played Battle Kenya. And then the next season, he played another character. He played Denji Blue because he was a suit actor who also acted. He would go in and he would put on the funny suit and do the kicky kicky and the fighty fighty. So he actually played two different roles. He's not the only one who did. One of my other favorites, uh, Big One, Soichi Banba. I don't know who actually the character actor. You're just making all this up. No, I'm not. Big One was also a character in the previous episode. But here's the thing. In that movie, they told a really cool story where Gavan, who is basically a space policeman, goes after the Gokaijers, who are space pirates, and is conned into believing that they are evil space pirates, right? So he goes after them and the evil space pirates, and he brings them down because he's just that damn good. But um, at the end of the movie, they take this joke. He had actually appeared in Gokaijer, which was a 35th anniversary series celebrating the 34 previous seasons as Battle Kenya before. He had been in character as one of his characters and also as Denji Blue. But at the end of the movie, they had this this awesome joke where all three characters show up. And it works for me for three reasons. One, the the visual effects are pretty awesome. You see three of the same man standing side by side, and you're not like, oh, this is fake. You're like, how in the world did they pull this off? George Secondly, Lucas would know. Yeah, George Lucas would know. Secondly, the actor is awesome just freaking awesome and he is such a cool actor throughout that whole thing playing gavon gavon is basically the hero Mm -hmm. he is he's a one-man hero he's he's you know almost an akira kurosawa hero character but we've seen him as denji blue denji blue now sells donuts from a cart denji blue is this fun-loving old man who's just like ha ha pat you on the shoulder advice And we've seen him as Battle Japan, and Battle Japan is a different character. So in this little, you know, two-minute sequence where he's playing three different characters, he's playing three different characters. Yeah, no, that's cool. I like that. And there's a beautiful scene where he's actually, one of him is leaning on the other one's shoulder. And they're both smiling, and one is smiling with the, ha-ha, look at me, I'm a hero. And one is like, I'm a dark hero. And one is just like, I sell donuts! Yeah. It's a wonderful moment. And then at the end, something completely inexplicable happens where a voice from beyond starts speaking to them and says, young people have never seen the three of you transform together. And so they do a completely, I mean, unnecessary sequence where Kenji Oba gets to turn into all three of his alternate old superhero selves together at the same time. Cool. And they're not just celebrating, you know, the history of the show or the history of the characters. 
They're celebrating Kenji Oba, the actor, and his history. And I, I, I get totally behind that. I love the fact that the show is successful because of the people who made it mm-hmm. as much as the awesome stories they told. And having this, you know, 59, 60-year-old man out there and doing suit work and being like, yatta-da, I'm a superhero, that's awesome. I, you know, I used to say I wanted to be as cool as uh, one of the other guys who was 62 came back and did his own in-suit work. Yeah. I, I, I'm not that cool now. Uh, so when I'm 62, if I am that cool, I will be incredibly lucky. I've got 21 years to get my act together is what I'm thinking. <laughs> uh, I hesitate now to ask part two and three of this. <laughs> no, go ahead. I'll go shorter this also, time. Also, has he seen Haikunen Sentai uh, Akiba Ranger? Akiba Ranger. I have not. I'm aware of it. I'm, I, I haven't picked it up because it's not an, not an official, and I know this is a terrible thing to say. It's an quote-unquote unofficial Sentai. But that's the thing. It says Haikunen means unofficial as their mission in the Correct. show is to become an official Sentai. There have only been 13 right. episodes. And Part it's geared of the reason teens. that I'm enjoying Go Kaiger is because I'm watching it with the kid. Oh, yeah. And, you know, she is really totally uh, in love with the Silver Ranger. I haven't seen it yet. I might get around to it. We'll see. Is it a cartoon? Thing. Or is it a no. live action? It's live action, but huh. it's, it's very over-the-top live action where each of the characters' helmets has uh, anime hair built into it. Oh, one has oh big yeah, tails. yeah, yeah. One has big kind of the blonde, uh, the blonde thing. Hair. Is that mm. the is that the one that you were showing with the blonde haired mask from a couple of weeks ago on the question of the? Oh day? no, no, no. That's uh, that's Miss America from oh, okay. uh, Battle Fever J. All right. One last question. No, this is the girl with uh, big plastic pigtails. One last question. Has he seen any of the latest uh, Kamen Riders? Kamen Rider, I have never watched. The only common writer that I ever saw was uh, when they adapted it into Masked Writer in 1993, and I didn't really care for it. So, no, I have not watched any common writer. All right. For a while, I thought it was Ramen Writer. <laughs> and uh, in college, you know. Oh, boy, that's still popular. Hey, you know what's good? Oh, what's that? Uh, take some chicken breast, get some of the mm-hmm. chicken ramen, uh, <laughs> get some, uh, some spices, maybe a little uh, uh, jalapeno, uh, mm-hmm. and... Just it's throw that all, gel, get some gel, gelapeninos, uh, yes. throw them all in a bowl and, and let them steep while, you know, the, the noodles cook and drain off uh, about half of the, half of the water and most of the sodium. Mmm, so good. Cool. Aaron writes in, Aaron from Melbourne, I just listened to your listener feedback podcast, which inspired me to write you. First of all, thank you all for the consistently high quality entertainment. One voice that I do miss, and uh, though, is Peter Coogan and the more academic look at the comic books. Any chance you'll be taking a crack at this topic again soon? Answer, yes. Keep looking to the skies. Watch the skies. Um, let's see. What's that? That's fun to do. Watch the skies. Watch the skies. You let's know, I see. like to think that we are all educational. We are oh, yeah, 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 academic. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, sure. Except for Zach, who is 12. Well, yes. Uh, Matthew said that, this is from Jeff, This Matthew said the reason a Justice League movie doesn't work is that you can't please Justice League fans. While I agree that they can't be pleased, I disagree that this would necessarily lead to a failed movie. If you did an exit poll of the Avengers, I bet less than 5% had ever read an Avengers book. I don't believe it's the fans of the comic property that lead to its failure. I think it's the failure of the movie for whatever reason to connect 
with a 95% of the audience that only has a vague notion of the property before they plunk down their money to buy a ticket. That's from Jeff. Valid point. Yeah, that, that is, is. a very valid point, except and, for one small caveat. Which is? The Avengers have nothing, nothing, not even Captain America, that hits the iconic level of Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, and arguably Aquaman. Yeah. Well, but that there are people who know those characters who don't know anything else about comics. I, you know, that's a, that's a tough question because you know I think even before the Captain America movie, even before the whole uh, Marvel movie initiative that started with Fantastic Four, people still knew who Captain America was. People still knew who Iron Man was and the Hulk was just by sight. They may not they know anything. That. Yeah, but I think the same thing is kind of true of Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman. They know of them. But they don't know them. You know, they're not the comic book fans. That's a little bit harder to kind of, you know, kind of, I don't know. I just think that most of the people going to the movies, and again, movies based on comic books, TV shows based on comic books, are named, not aimed at comic book readers. Matthew had a really good question of the week this past week up on uh, Major Spoilers that I encourage you to go back into the archives and look for, where he was basically talking about uh, how the comic book Walking Dead and the TV series Walking Dead have diverged uh, to where they are totally two different universes, two different stories being told. So, in effect, the TV series is based on the comic book uh, and whether people like that, good or bad. Well, you know, on the one hand, um, people who love the comic book now get something new. It's not something that's a retread, right? And mm -hmm. the people who have never read the comic book now get something new because the comic book is not the TV series. So it's kind of a good thing. Um, and I think each has their own respective place, but the AMC series is not aimed towards the comic book readers. Mm. It's aimed toward an audience who likes the zombie genre, who grew up or who have enjoyed the George Romero uh, series and the 28 Days Later and that kind of stuff. Right. Who like the talking and talking. Right, and talking right. Yeah. I, to be honest. And talking and talking and then something happened. I barely, the very I end that barely made it through. I barely made it through the first season. Didn't come back for season two, have not watched a single thing of season three. Just, it doesn't appeal to me, unfortunately. And that's fine. It appeals to some people. And I know, Matthew, you're giddy over season three, right? I'm enjoying it. Is it your must-see TV? I don't have must-see TV anymore. Uh, with Community on hiatus and How oh, that's I Met another Your Mother, question. you know. That's another question somebody brought up. Ooh. Are you excited about the announcement that the community is coming back in, what is it, February 7th or something like that? Something like that? Yeah, I am, actually. Because I want to see if they've ruined it. And it's a really fun show. It's a fun ensemble. I, I won't, I won't uh, disagree that it's, not a, that, it's a, that it's not a fun show. I think it's a fun show. Yeah. I, I don't know. You know, they got rid of the creator and the showrunner. And it wasn't, well, and it wasn't an NBC decision. kill it. No, it doesn't. Remember, they got rid of uh, of uh, George Lucas on uh, Empire Strikes Back, and it was actually good. So, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> I guess I would only say, hey, guess what? NBC announced that Community was coming back October 19th, and look how that turned out for you. Um, well. Hi, Steven says, Amrick, I'm curious about the music that you play during your donations. Is What is it? Is it Owl City? No, it is not. We don't play copyrighted music on this show unless we have permission um, which we never do. Yeah, we never do. I mean, I, I'm barely, uh, passing it every time we do the, uh, Ookla the mock stuff, but everything that we're doing right uh, now Mocko. is Mocko. all original stuff that was created for the show. Uh, except for some of the underlying commercial bed stuff. That's, that's from other places. Um, yeah. 
If you haven't been paying attention to the end of the show, there's actually a new version of the What a Major Spoiler song done by James Kinnison over at uh, NLcast.com. He decided what? to go back and record a new. Yeah, Matthew, this has been going on for like five issues now. <laughs> what? Um, and some people like it. Some people don't like it. But it is a different take on that on that story. He uh, he. Um, how do I put it? It sounds more. I don't know. It sounds more like it's a it's a it's a piece. It's not just a guitar solo. It's got guitar. It's got drums. It's got reverb. Uh, I like it. It's pretty cool. So go check that oh, out. I may have to go listen to it. Yes. It's not that I don't listen to the shows. It's just that I haven't listened to the shows regularly recently because I have this thing called a day job now. What? I know, right? I would totally like Hey, we like people. our friends over at tweakedaudio.com, and apparently you guys do too. Dude. I recently purchased the headphones through your, your website, says Michael. I purchased the woodwinds and used your codes. I thought I bought the ones with the mic, checked the order, and realized I had not. I quickly sent an email to Tweaked asking to pay the difference on the more expensive buds before they shipped out. But lo and behold, Peggy, Peggy contacts me. Peggy's a wonderful person over at Tweaked Audio. Contacts me and say they caught the order and at no extra charge upgraded my order and shipped it out. I'm wondering if you could give them a shout out. Of course, we always yeah, give Tweaked Audio. TweakedAudio.com. Four different styles, six different colors. Uh, so many things to choose from. TweakedAudio.com on your checkout. Use the code MAJOR and you get 30% off. Um, nice. Fair play to Tweaked Audio. That's awesome. Yeah. Let's see. I just wanted to give you guys a heartfelt thanks for a recent comic book convert. Thanks to your site and that gateway drug critical hit. I recently picked up the first comics of my adult life, Chew Volume 1 and 2. With the conviction and enthusiasm of the finest religious disciples, I find myself uh, hassling Ah. friends to read the series. You and the MS team have more than earned your Hamilton for the site or a bushel of corn or whatever crazy currency you guys use in Kansas. Um, well, first of all, it would be weed. Corn is Nebraska. And corn. second of all, welcome to Nebraska. We, we use money. Yeah, you know what the N on the Nebraska football helmet stands for, Stephen? What? Knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's okay. Rob's from Nebraska. We can make fun. On a side note, we can I make have fun a... of Rob because it's funny. <laughs> well, because he's Rob. Uh, and he won't hear Plus, this I've for told six that more joke months on the podcast yes. like five different times, and you never remember the joke. <laughs> no, see, I I I, I follow the Stanley tenant that uh, every podcast oh, is someone's new podcast, first time listening. So I've got to play oh. dumb so that you can tell the joke, so you can get that's the laugh, why, and then I can get how the email. Never listening to what I say. <laughs> what? What? On a side note, oh, I have I a have personal. To tell you this. Okay, hold on just a second. Okay, go this ahead. This is a personal anecdote. Okay. I'm in the car. All right. The midget's in the back seat. Yes. The midget is like, hey, that really sounds like a bad, a bad setup to a story. So I'm driving in my car and the midget's in the back seat and the dead hooker's in the trunk. And she's, <laughs> she's just basically being hyper, hyper, hyper. Right, 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 right. And finally, after about three conversations where she's only listening to part of it, I'm like, midget, do you ever listen to the second half of what I say? And she looks at me deadpan and goes, no, daddy, I never listen. <laughs> <laughs> when I was a kid, <laughs> I love that joke. When I was a kid, See, it's, it's what she didn't it's say meta. that makes it fun. Yes. Yeah. Uh, oh, I, I'm at one point when I was a kid, my dad said, I was trying to remember how the story went. One time I was okay. with my dad, my dad said, uh, Oh, something to the effect that I was completely worthless. And I said, Well, at least I can serve as a bad example. Uh, and so there you go. Um, nice. 
Brendan. And 40 years later, you have embraced this tenant. Yes, I have. On a side note, says Brendan, I have a personal review request from the fuzzy depths of my knowledge. Sam and Max Surfing the Highway, one and only comic book I purchased as a kid. One by LucasArts Extraordinary Adventure Game Series. It is on the stack. Of your retro reviews? It is on my retro review stack. Explain real quick. The reason I haven't gotten to it is it's really long. Yeah, explain real quick to our listeners how your retro review criteria work because i've put some criteria on you you have um which is why we haven't seen a uh what's her face tarot Tarot, which number 53 yes steven steven originally said to me that retro reviews had to be at least nine years old and i believe he's now expanded it to to 10 yeah yeah and I use I use around ten year figure. Anything as of right this second, anything before October of two thousand two is fair play. Yeah. Uh, the thing about the retro reviews, there are a couple of things that I don't make public. There is an order to the retro reviews that if you're paying attention, you will actually see what I'm doing. And secondly, a retro review has to be one of three things. It has to be either a book that I really really liked, a book that has some historical significance, or a book that Nobody will ever, ever like. Because sometimes it's fun to review things. Skate man. Skate man. But if you say to me, why don't you review Fantastic Four 329? I will say, why? And you will say, uh, because of Sue Richards in her awesome uh, pop-top uniform with the cleavage bump. And I will say, sold. No. <laughs> But no, it, and then there's also the criteria of what do I feel like doing on a Sunday night after I've yeah, been yeah. at work for five hours. So. Lately for me, it's go to sleep. That's why you haven't seen yeah. too many reviews for me. It's just like, I am dead tired at the end of the day. I'm going to bed. I am. That's what it is. Uh, yep. Michael says, I'm starting a D&D themed website. want to do my own podcast. I want to know about the equipment setup you guys use to record your game sessions. We use very expensive headset mics for everybody. Yep. Um, Matthew has a, uh, USB microphone that I bought him. I think it's a, yeah. I forget what it is. It's a, it's a Samson C. Samson. That's what it is. C zero one. It is a very, very high end mic. I don't know what Adriana and, uses. And then we use a, in my opinion, a crappy, um, eight channel digital recording system, uh, that I wish we could, uh, tweak out, but that's how we do it. And the headsets are between 300 and $500 a piece. So if, uh. And then, of course, I heavily process the crap out of it in post-production to remove all the hiss and the crackle and the pop that you hear. Yeah. Um, if you go Be back and listen, 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 listen to the for every half hour of the podcast. Yeah, I think if people want to hear the difference, go back and listen to like the first group session that we did where we were just using, um, you know, like handheld mics in front of everybody. And you will yeah. hear the real difference between those microphones and the microphones that we use now. Oh, yeah. So there's, there's a cost, there's a cost, uh, involved in that. And you got, do have to keep it, uh, keep in mind. Um, Hey, spoiler rights says Gordon. Did hey, you guys catch you? the recent episode of Phineas and Ferb where Doof is mon- mentoring a Rodrigo in the art of evil season three, episode 27, minor monogram. I have not seen that episode. Nor have I. We should probably. The put boy it has kind of moved away from uh, Phineas and Ferb and. Ferbius and Herbius. I, I want to say he's reverted back to Timmy time only because the sidekick watches that. But also yeah. he likes to watch uh, Power Rangers. You should get him some of the Japanese Power Rangers. At least there'll be more to look at. Well, but he's not going to understand what they're saying. That's why it's subtitled. He can't read. You know, I, That's the thing. He doesn't read yet. He's only at a. 
he's a kindergartner at a first grade reading level. Oh. He can read like some some oh, small words, but I mean, he's not reading like he's not. Yeah, Mitch and OB I Dick. actually watched the show, and we count that as part of her uh, advanced oh, reading. reading. Yeah, that's that's cool. Um, now, granted, I only give her fifteen minutes for every hour of shows that we watch, but that's because I'm a mean dad. Oh, I'm the and I want her to actually. I'm a terrible dad. Comic book price question. I don't know if we answered this one or not. Comic book price question. It's not flagged, so I don't know if we've read it. Hi, Stephen. As always, love your podcast website. You guys are doing a great job. I started to collect comic books again after about a twenty-year absence, due largely to your podcast. Here's my question for you and Matthew. Why do you think an issue of The Walking Dead number one is getting about $1,500 on eBay, while other classics like Watchmen number one may only go for $25? I have a business degree, so I understand supply and demand, but with all the things being equal comic book grade-wise, I still does not add up to me. Welcome to the wonderful world of comic book uh, speculation. It's not all speculation. There are a couple of factors in play here. First of all, uh, the $1,500 that you're quoting is almost certainly a slabbed copy yeah, yeah. in like very, very high grade, which means that it is encapsulated and it cannot lose, you know, you, you, first of all, you can't read it, but it cannot lose any value from degradation. Isn't because there, it won't degrade. Did, they, did they suck it all out or is there something in there to preserve the papers? They do, in fact, suck out all the air. I think they put in some other gas. Nitrogen like, or uh, something? Nitrogen or halogen or I don't know. Xenon. Uh, something. Xeno Warrior Princess. Doc, Dr. Pepper. But whatever they put in there, um, <laughs> basically, they're in that box and they're not coming out. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. I can tell you right now that a Walking Dead damn near mint will run you about 700 bucks. Wow. A CGC, the CGC 9.8 which is almost perfect, I think is the one we're referring to. But here's another thing that you need to know about The Walking Dead. The Walking Dead has a broader audience. Yeah, than and so there's Watchmen. a higher demand. Yeah, there are people who are fans of the television show or fans of the property who are now going and looking for comics who wouldn't normally buy comics. Yeah. Also, Walking Dead has a much lower print run. In the first Watchmen. run, yes, because it's uh, because it was done by an independent publisher as opposed to right. a major publisher like dc exactly a much lower print run means supply and a demand yeah the demand as the demand goes up the supply dwindles I and spent, the thing you see i spent a hundred dollars on an invincible number one issue in yeah. very good quality you probably got hosed yeah probably but you know i don't even own invincible number one so the thing about it is as with anything there is an element of inflation that comes into play if you read the overstreet price guide the you know the annual overstreet guide the the basically the benchmark right it is an average of the prices being mm -hmm. reported across the country mm -hmm. your average issue of invincible i would say is running like 50 60 dollars the last one i saw was 75 um i don't have my overstreet guide with me right this second so i can't really tell you you know what if if that is wrong if something's right i don't know but I can tell you that as that overstreet guide goes through, when you say it's an average, the average means that yeah, yeah there's some stuff that's really low. So somebody paid sixteen hundred for that uh, Walking Dead, but some other guy got it for twenty bucks. It's all about what the what exactly the risk reward is for the seller, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and whether they know they have anything. You know, if somebody throws it up for twenty bucks, I'm sure it will sell in seconds. It seems, and they won't know any different. They'll yeah. get their twenty dollars. 
It seems that investment in 2003 of Walking Dead number one would pay out more than if you purchase Google or Apple stock. And that's where the speculation comes in, right? Because if in oh, 2003 yeah. uh, you picked up Walking Dead number one, you instantly bagged and boarded it and sealed it and you tucked it away in a, in a you know, a, right. a no light room and you let it sit right. there for 12 years and then you pulled it out and you paid, you know, two ninety nine or whatever the cover price was back then. And suddenly you right. can turn it around for $1,500. Boy, yes, that is quite a deal. And if you bought a hundred of those back in yeah. 2003, my goodness, you could retire. But that's but quite not the case. The Go back and look at the here's, comic book industry the in the 1990s and you'll see exactly what happened with that mentality. And in 2003, there were 10, 12, 15 comic companies who put out hundreds of thousands of issues. Mm -hmm. So if you bought that issue of Walking Dead with the expectation that it was going to be super expensive – there is a good chance that you probably got hosed on 10 or 15 other books because you're, you're taking a flyer. Yeah. Here's the example that I always use. When I was young, Star Wars, Marvel Comics Star Wars number one from uh, June 1977, yeah. was routinely four digits. It was, it was, if you got a really good copy, you could get six, seven, eight, a thousand dollars out of it. Right. Now, it's settled back down to around the $75 to $100 price point. Mm -hmm. As long as you're talking about the regular edition, there's a $0.35 cent variant edition, which kind of throws things off. Um, it's it's a long and involved story. Marvel changed their pricing, basically, yeah, yeah. in part of the nation first. But here's the thing. That book is in high demand, even today, but the speculators snapped them up. Right, they so they have their and copies. And them. Yeah, the people who really want a Star Wars number one, most of them probably have it. And if you look at the first big speculator book of you know the modern era, you're looking probably 1976, Howard the Duck number one. Howard the Duck number one was selling for a hundred bucks the week it came out. People were really, really going, "Oh my gosh, oh, this right. is the next big thing." Right. People were buying it not because they wanted it, because it was the next big thing. Well, and you see that happen Howard a lot. Howard the Duck I mean, now is is twenty bucks. It's right. not an abnormal or for a book of that age. In the uh, early nineties, Superman number seventy five, Death of Superman, oh, yeah. bagged and polybagged in black. Uh, yep. I was lucky enough to snag three of those and bought them for what cover price? Turned around and sold two of them for seventy five dollars a piece in that yep. same week because people had to have that issue. I made a killing on that. Today, if I, yep. and I still have a bagged up version of that, uh, seven fifty, yeah, $7 and 50 cents. If you're lucky. If you're lucky. Most people have, I, I, most people, if you want one, I can walk yeah. into my office. If you office, want one, I can, I can, I can walk, walk into my, my office and get and can, one. I can pull you out a dozen. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's because my office is a comic store. Yeah. But more importantly, if you look at something like spawn number one, mm -hmm. spawn number one once sold for $75, yeah, $80. Yeah. yeah. And now Spawn number one is a $4 book. Yeah. There's nothing and that's, particularly valuable there is about no it. Way, there is no way to predict where the market is going to go when you're looking at comic books or any kind of collectibles. So it's a total risk. Walking Dead had a low print run mm -hmm. and miraculously became popular amongst a larger What's group of that, people. Uh, yeah. So a low print run with a lot of people looking for it means high prices. But I guarantee you... Two more seasons of Walking Dead on AMC, that book's not going to be going for $1,300. Of course not. It's going to be because going for $25. Because those episodes bucks. are so slow. 
Well, but I'm saying the minute that oh. the, the the minute the public Carl, loses their in interest, the, the minute the public loses their interest in Walking Dead, the price of that's going to drop. And so oh, there's so. no easy way to predict this stuff. Uh, and that's but why and that's why in the 90s there was such a glut down. of variant co- covers. Why people thought, oh, you go out and you buy all these number ones and you'll be rich for life and you bag and board them and you stack them and do all this stuff. And you have to realize people are printing hundreds of thousands of copies of these. So there's hundreds of thousands of these books around from DC Marvel, even image uh, at the time was doing that. Um, and so it's, it's tough. It's tough to say that, Hey, I'm going to make a fortune off this. It doesn't, it doesn't work that way. It's kind of like a rare coins. Yeah. A rare coin may be worth uh, 200 times more than what it was a hundred years ago, but in two weeks it could drop 10 bucks. And more importantly, if you spend all your time trying to find that next big thing, you're going to get burned more often than not. Atomic Robo. Here's what you got to do. Here's what you got to do. If you really want to make sure that the purchase that you make today is going to pay off for you in the future, you go out and you buy 100 copies of Six Gun Number 1, right? 100 copies of Six Gun Number 1. Burn 98 copies of them. No. Destroy 98 copies of them. So no. there's fewer copies out there. And then that, you put, that, you slab the, one. The available number of them less than 1%. <laughs> no. And the price of slabbing is only. And is then you only wait 20 years. For you. Shut but up. See, but listen. Stop giving people bad <laughs> advice. <laughs> slabbing a modern book will cost you $25. Yeah. Slabbing a Golden Age book will cost you closer to $100. Mm-hmm. Slabbing should only be done with a really ridiculously mm-hmm. pristine copy of something that has some inherent value. Six gun number one. Atomic Robo number one. Okay. If you had a copy of Hanna-Barbera Super TV Heroes number one, which is the first comic book appearance of uh, Birdman and the Herculoids. Is that and the, the one with Jabberjaw on it? Jabberjaw was not around in 1968. Are you sure? Stop interrupting me. Okay. If you had that book and you was in perfect, awesome condition and you slabbed it, you might make your money back. You might make your money back. The problem that you're going to see with the speculator mentality is speculators buy things on the expectation that they're valuable. Right. Collectors buy things that they like or things that are valuable. Mm-hmm. The difference is a collector spends more than he makes in most situations. Yes. And a speculator has a tendency to buy tons and tons and tons of stuff and never really have a way to offload it. Right. I had someone come into the store a couple of years ago with a big long box worth of stuff that used to be eight, ten, twenty dollars pop. He's like, What do you give me for this? And my boss said, It's ten dollars for the long box. He's like, But these were really valuable. Yes, they were. They're not anymore. It's ten dollars mm-hmm. for the long box. Now that being said, so I have fifty-five copies of Adjectiveless Spider-Man. Well, one. and so I'm, you know, obviously I'm joking about going out and buying a hundred copies and burning ninety-eight of them. Make right? that clear. People don't listen. Well, I mean, there's a there's a logic to it, you know, um, but it's not a, a tenable logic because you couldn't aff- if you could afford to buy enough books. Here's to here's the process. Dent the supply. I don't know how many copies of more money. I don't know how make. many. I don't know how many copies of the six gun number one are out there, but I'm going to bet that there's less than five thousand. Right. I so agree. Well, maybe maybe I'm wrong, but you go out. Let's say there's five thousand. and You go out and you buy two thousand of them and burn all but two of them. Now there's a smaller demand. Now with that in mind, six gun is being turned into a TV series. There's going to be a demand for that in a short term. So that's why you would do it to turn it around and hopefully make your money back if you can. But you're not. That's the problem. You're not going to do it in that in that way. Um, Don't destroy comics. Well, with the expect. 
Yes, that you're going to lower the thing. Um, That is an idiot's mentality. But you could buy them and take them out of circulation. If you had enough money to buy enough comics to take them out of circulation and damage the existing supply, you wouldn't need to make the money that you make by selling the expensive comic in the first place. The exception to this discussion, the exception to this discussion are comics that are produced before 1950, right? If someone were to walk in, I had a student for comics before 1970 being worth, you know, routinely more than 10 bucks. So a student was like, oh, my girlfriend's got all these uh, comic books that her grandfather uh, uh, handed down to her from the the 20s and maybe some stuff from the 30s and 50s. And I was wondering if you were wanting to buy them. And I said, look, the best thing for you to do is go to a comic book shop and get these appraised. Number one, keep in mind, the comic book shop is going to be looking out for them. And if they're a good comic book shop. Uh, they will tell you a fair price, and maybe if they are worth something, if you do have stuff from the 30s, 20s, or 30s, and 40s, and 50s, and they're in really, really good condition, they may even serve as the broker to sell these for you for a commission, obviously, and maybe you have some good stuff in there. I could buy these off of you for five bucks, and they could be worth millions of dollars. And so you need to have somebody appraise your comics if you think that they are of any value, but modern era comics... I don't put a lot of stock into modern era comics. I really don't. If someone were to say, hey, this comic's worth a lot, this comic's worth $1,300 or $1,500 on eBay, yeah, if someone's going to pay $1,500, great. But six months from now, it's not going to be selling for $1,500. Now, a Superman, first appearance of Superman, uh, that's worth a million dollars? Yeah, that one probably has some staying value as long as someone's willing to pay a million dollars for that first issue of Superman. But if you're looking to make money... I honestly don't think it's in the modern era books. I think it's um, 50s and before, and Matthew says 70s and before. Well, and it depends on what you mean by value. Well, yeah, everything um, has a value. I have there's, there's I kind have of these a, Warner a time frame yeah. rule of thumb that I run into. You sure. Know, if I look at a book from 1972 to 1977, and I go, okay, this is a decent copy book. What's going to run me? Probably 6 to $20. $6 is the average you know book that I'll put out. But if you look at a book, a specific comic book from the 1970s, there were a lot of higher print runs. But there's also been a lot of books that are out of circulation due to damage, loss, fire, theft. It's something where, you know, like a Star Wars number one or even a Hanna-Barbera Super TV Heroes number one, those books are no longer floating around. Mm -hmm. And that's still an era where kids would get them and read them to pieces and throw them in the trash. Right. Circa 1980, that probably stopped. I would say from 1980 forward, your books are probably not going to ever achieve the kind of uh, values that we see in 30s, 40s. And that's, yeah, and that's why I said comics. those, the Golden Age comics, especially Wortham era, where people were burning, yeah. burning. I mean, they were treated as a throwaway medium. Um, right. They were recycling them yeah, during yeah, the war. Yeah. They're yeah. paper. Yeah. So those are the ones that I think if you're looking for your money's worth, or looking to make some money, that's kind of where you would look. But man, if you have to go out and buy those, if you don't already have access to them, good luck. And if you can afford to go out and buy your own copy of Action Comics number one, please uh, consider making a donation over at Majorspoilers.com. A one-time donation (laughs) of a million dollars would be awesome. I really recently offloaded my Phantom Stranger collection. Yeah, Um, Phantom Stranger 1 through 20, 
and uh, the showcase number 80 or 82 or something, which was the first Silver Age appearance of The Stranger. Mm-hmm. And I went and I priced them out, and they priced out all told about $520. I took them to my boss, and I know what my boss pays. And I said, I would like 40% of guide for these books. So 520 I asked for 140 and he said, hey, sold. And then, so he made, then he made you bag up your precious comic books and yeah, put them on the eBay. He said, Matthew, put them on eBay and sell your precious little exactly children. What <laughs> that is exactly what happened. And you know what? How much money did you I make? knew what I was getting into when I walked up to my boss with yeah. my comics. Yeah. I knew the rules. And the thing is, when you say something is worth, quote unquote, $100, that means you're probably going to be able to sell it right. to a retailer for half that or mm-hmm. less than half that mm-hmm. so that he can make his profit margin. So if you're going to sell it to another collector, they're probably not going to want to pay full price because they're going to want you to undercut the retailer who's selling it for 100 bucks. So you sell it for 75 on the eBay, you get 75 bucks, they right. get book it at you know at a premium. But the value of the book is all in the eye of the beholder. Yeah, if you want a really good idea of what uh, some older comics are going for, don't go don't go check out eBay. Go check out Heritage Auctions at uh, ha.com. Uh, they sell comics all the time. It seems like every weekend they're doing a major auction on Silver Age and Golden Age books. These are the this is the company that sells the action comics number ones, the Amazing Fan of C fifteens, uh, those kinds of things. I think they were selling this past week. They were selling um, some original first. What is it? Issue one and two of the Hulk or whatever it was uh, is what they had out there. So. Um, you might want to go check out for that if you think you have some older books. The final part of Anthony's question is, P.S., have you guys ever thought about doing a show which dealt with comic books from the collecting side of things? For example, the best comics and books to buy and sell as well as pros and cons, blah, 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 get them graded. The answer, of course, Anthony, is yes, but the reason why we haven't is because of Kevin Smith, and you can thank him for yeah. that. Yeah, and, and so honestly, if you're not familiar with this story, at a couple of years ago, is it like two summers ago, Matthew Rodrigo and I were going to produce a web series that was basically, let's see what the comic book is valued. Why is it valued this way? Let's grade it. And Matthew would grade it. And we'd learn some history of the comic book, history of the character, why it's important. You know, like uh, uh, Matthew's, what is it, Hulk 186 that you're always Hulk raving 181. about? 181, sorry. Um, 181 is the first appearance of Wolverine. 161 is the one that I want. Oh, okay. But you have the first That's appearance the of Wolverine. Mimic. Oh, okay. Ooh. Personally, no. The store had one, but we sold it. Oh, I thought you had one. I thought your wife bought that for you. No, she bought me a 161, which oh, is okay. the death of the movie. All right. So anyway, we were going to do a show like that. We were going to make it as a web series. Uh, we were going to put it up. And then right when we were in the middle of pre-production for it, uh, Kevin Smith amount, an, announced Comic Book Men, which on the surface sounded a whole lot like what we were going to do because it was kind of uh, borrowing from Antiques Roadshow. It was borrowing from Storage Wars. Yeah. It was borrowing from Pawn Stars which is kind of what comic book men does. And to an extent, plus throwing in, you know, the, the gimmicky meaningless anecdotes. Yeah. Which I, I mean this, I watched the first episode of this season with the, uh, with the party, the the birthday birthday party. party. And I don't know. I just, I stopped watching the show after there, you know, I'm to the point now where I've got a low threshold and I love Kevin Smith. Don't get me wrong. So Kevin Smith, if you're listening, I love you to pieces. I respect everything that you do and the messages that you send out. But the comic book men show could be something that is really, truly worthy of a history channel or an AMC where you're looking at the history of pop culture as opposed to, to an extent, mocking it. And um, 
when when uh, Comic Book Men was announced, we basically scrapped plans to do this. After watching the first episode of the second season, I'm kind of thinking we might want to be able to go back in and do it. But the problem is people are going to say, oh, you just ripped that off from from Comic Book Man. Ah, you guys are just a bunch of ripoff artists. Um, yeah. And we don't want that. It should plus, also be noted that plus we can't fly Matthew our anywhere. one douchebag would be totally outclassed by their four douchebags. <laughs> and that. Oh, sorry. So that that's kind of our tw- train of thinking of why we haven't done a show like that. We we honestly this past summer, you would have had a show like that had it not been for. Uh, comic book men. Uh, yeah, oh, <laughs> that's a funny one. Um, you know, when we do talk politics, you know, the, the put a face on it episode, we weren't talking about politics, whether you were Republican or Democrat or conservative or, you know, whatever liberal, uh, green party, tea party, whatever you are. That, that wasn't the point of that episode. Um, where we were talking about putting a face on it. What we were talking about is how a message gets messed up right. when like you attach, a, put a face on it, like what happened with Big Bird. And well, you some, know what? Yeah. The irony is in the discussion, we proved the discussion. Because in discussing what happens when you put a face on it, people put a political face on it. Yeah, yeah, it really funny. We were talking about the argument between, you know, what's his name and what's his face. Yes. And the funny thing was, and I specifically did this as a hook uh, in the uh, in the tag for this. In this issue, we get political. And I got an email from someone who's like, oh, I love MSP, but please keep politics out of this. I see major spoilers as my safe haven, et cetera, et cetera. I'm not trying to make fun of this person, but it kind of does uh, hit home the point that I responded back to him. I said, have you listened to this episode? Because that's totally not what we were talking about. He's like, oh, no, I haven't listened to the episode yet. There you go. <laughs> and people, I thought I, I mean, thought it was funny. People have a response. Yeah, 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 yeah. So this, uh, I think we're going to title this episode, um, Stephen and Matthew have a falling out. <laughs> and by that, we both fall out of our chairs. Ah, and that'll be that our most. <laughs> It'll be our fattest episode ever. <laughs> Actually, this <laughs> is our fattest episode. would make us buy six seats. <laughs> um, let's see. Every episode from... is our fattest episode. Yes, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Okay, so uh, a couple of weeks ago, and this is a last last question for this uh, for this episode. Um, this was from our Dueling Review podcast that Matthew and I, and I do, very much like the show you're listening to right now, except we take a single comic and we dissect it and we spend some time talking about it. Uh, but this question is inspired by the discussion of Ultimate Comics Iron Man number one. Matthew stated several times <laughs> that the Ultimate Universe just doesn't matter. So I'm relatively it just doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. Well, I guess it depends right. on your, your point of view. Obviously I'm relative newcomer to comics age 39 and mostly just read trades and collected arcs. So most of my comic book experience is basically isolated stories without a lot of historical attachment. From this point of view, do you think it would be safe to say that none of the various versions of the Marvel and DC universes matter? Does Canon matter or can these stories, especially complete arcs like hush and court of owls, actually be better without the weight of years and years of backstory dragging them down. Is it vitally important for character stories to be able to be numbered and listed chronologically so that it all fits neatly into place and makes sense somehow? Or can these stories live a more loose and free existence where what happens in a particular story arc is really only important within the confines of that specific story arc? You guys are the experts, so I'd like to hear your opinions. That's Michael. Um, hmm, it's a good question. It really is a deep question. On the one hand, 
And uh, let me find this real quick, Matthew. Uh, on the one hand, okay. no, it doesn't matter. On the other hand, yes, it does matter. And, and I need to find a quote really quick, Matthew. So you go ahead and give your answer, and then I'll come back with a quote that was posted today. I think the primary thing to keep in mind is my, I, I, my two things that I refer to constantly. Mileage, as always, may vary. And each of us has our personal continuity. Right. I've said this before. It's a shame that the X-Men died in 1986 and never, ever, ever came back. Right. Because that's when I read X-Men. And, and when you say to me, what's, you know, what's a good X-Men story? I'm going to go, well, now that you mention it, I like the one where they died in 1986 and never, ever, ever came back. Mm -hmm. That's something that is in my personal continuity. Stories that you've never read will not be in your continuity. And so what's important to you about a given character is going to be colored by what you know. Right. My daughter and I started watching Go Kaiger episodes oh, God, out of order. With Power Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> and when we started watching them, she's like, well, I want to watch this one. And we watched one and it had a character in it named Bosco. She's like, oh, let's watch more Bosco. So we watched all the Bosco episodes in order. And she's like, wait a minute, there's other stuff going on here that I didn't know about. Right. And so she now is go she wanting to go back and watch them all in chronological order, because we've been jumping around, so that she can see what happens to the characters in the order of their story, so that they know, so that she can look at this and go, they know this happened and they know this didn't happen. The order that things take place matters. Yeah. So, yeah, I say that the ultimate universe doesn't matter. My opinion may not matter to you or to well, anyone. Well, and I, I guess it depends, because if you say the Ultimate Universe doesn't matter, but man, Marvel Zombie sure was a cool series, then Ultimate Universe actually does matter, because that's where it originated from. Um, no, the Marvel Zombies was good after the Ultimate Marvel. <laughs> uh, the Ultimate Marvel versions were awful. Okay. Awful, awful, awful. All right. Um, here's this great quote that appeared this week uh, over on another website uh, uh, <gasps> that John Hodgman uh, posted, and it's kind of spread it kind of spread like wildfire across the internet until uh Disney and Lucas made their announcement but he says I'm going to read this whole quote it's a little long comics have a problem that is continuity the obsession with placing the characters in an existing world where every event is marked in canon you're supposed to believe that these weepy star boys of now are the same gung-ho super team fighting space monsters in the 60s and they've only aged perhaps 5 years it eventually strains credibility and can shackle a writer who wants to try something new. Very few narrative forms have to deal with this principles, and a fan base that gets mad when it's violated, except for maybe soap operas, which is what comics are. So there are these periodic memory wipes and startovers, but to me it never felt right with the Legion. There are just too many of these kids, none of them is iconic, and the whole pleasure is the continuity, the evolution of comic styles and sensibility encoded into their being. And that's uh, John Hodgman, the uh, I'm a PC guy on why the DC Comics property right, has been rebooted. Show. So many times over the past 55 years. Well, he makes good. He yeah, makes he does. He really point. does make a good point. Um, My main yeah, thing is always going to be. Love your stories and, and you don't have to. You can, as Matthew says, with the yeah. Star Wars stuff, the, this is not canon. This doesn't matter. The first three, um, um, the prequel movies never existed. Uh, you can go that route if you want. Yeah. Um, they were certain. They certainly do exist. I mean, they were made. They cost millions of dollars. They made millions of more dollars. Uh, same way with but the comic books. But they don't matter to you. To me. Yeah. They don't they don't make me happy. And because of that, when you say to me, Do you like Star Wars? I'm never gonna say I really like the moment where Jar Jar, you know, was mocking the nineteen eighteen hundreds minstrel shows. It's not gonna happen. But what you will get from me is the occasional revelation that there are moments in those movies that are cool, but they're not 
my favorite. It's the problem that I have when people are like, well, the one true Batman is finally back. Right. Dick Grayson, for a while, was really good at being the one true Batman. Was good stories. Yeah, yeah. Was good stuff. It was fun to read. Wally West was fun to read about. But because he's not the one true Flash, we don't get to read about him right now. Not anymore. There's no such thing as the one true anything. (laughs) And that is something that mileage does not vary on. Because the very existence of mileage varying means that mileage varies on what the one true whatever it is is. Yeah, yeah. So except the fact that Steven loves Batman acting one way, and I love Batman voiced by the guy from Drew Carey's show, you know, with his uh, talking Batman. I like Diedrich Bader, too. I think he's great. Yeah. I think he's great. Diedrich Bader is is the best cartoon Batman voice. I don't know if he's the best Batman cartoon Batman voice. He's better than Kevin Conroy. (gasps) Shut your mouth. Mileage may vary. See? So, yeah, so it really depends. Uh, You know, if you're not, you know, I've stopped reading the uh, basically reading the Ultimate Comics Universe after Ultimatum. But you know what? If I want to go back and read the Ultimate Universe again, I can go back and read all the wonderful Brian Michael Bendis Spider-Man stuff before all that crazy stuff happened. And if I want to read those stories, I can go back and read all the amazing Spider-Man issues. <laughs> Did I read in the original issues back in 1962? <laughs> all right, everybody. Time for us to get out of here because we know that you have important things to do. And, and we do Matthew too. <laughs> has uh, some sleep to get to. And I've got to edit these shows ah. and get them out to all of our favorite listeners, wherever they may be around the world. And we're so happy and so glad to have so many listeners from around the world. Hopefully our discussion uh, causes you to want to ask questions or continue the discussion. And the best place to do that is over at Majorspoilers.com. So many things going over there. Please, please, honestly, do us a favor. If you like this show, tell your friends about Major Spoilers. Come over to the website. We'd love to have traffic. We love to see your comments. We love to hear from you, even though Matthew and I don't always post in the comments or the forums or uh, send emails back to you right away, we read everything. We, we're always watching. I'm you. always watching. That's that's for sure. And we love seeing that participation. And we know that you would love the participation that goes on over at those sites because we do, and we know you would too. So go over and check it out. Do do us a favor. Do us a favor. Here's here's the challenge. Here is the challenge. As we are into November now, here's our last quarter rush to the end of the year get find 10 people at your comic book shop who don't listen to the podcast or who don't go to the website and do everything you can to get them hooked on the website or the podcast we would appreciate it and the more people we have coming to the website more people we have participating the more people we have downloading the more sponsors we get the more things that we can do like a comic book men show done right you never know what can happen. We've got a lot of things in the, in the boiling pot over there, simmering, stewing, waiting to come to the surface. We're just waiting for the right moment. And quite honestly, we're waiting for the right funding to come along, or I'm waiting for the right funding to come along. But apparently to win the Powerball jackpot, it's like one in 200 million or something. Something like that. Something like that. But you know, if 200 people gave us $1 million. No, you know, you know what? If you had, if we had 20,000 people, 20,000 people, and that's well within the range of the people who visit the site and listen to all our various podcasts. That's, you know, if we had 20,000 people each doing a $2 a month donation, $24 a year, 
All of us can quit our jobs. Matthew, me, Rodrigo, Zach, Rob, Brian, uh, the other people, so many of them, Danielle, uh, Tom, all these people could quit their jobs and we could do this full time. And you would have more podcasts every day. You'd have video podcasts almost every day. You'd have some very cool new things that we have simmering in the background that we've been talking about. But it's it's the funding. And I don't want to go to Kickstarter because, quite honestly, if we said, hey, we're going to do a comic book men-like show and it's going to cost us this much money, I wouldn't get funded. I know it wouldn't get funded. Okay? Most of Kickstarter, 60% of Kickstarter campaigns fail. Okay? And, but if you want to help us out directly, donations certainly help. Or, just better yet, get people listening to the show. Get them talking about comic books and how wonderful and fun comic books and pop culture are. Anything else, Matthew? Uh, you know, this episode of Go Kyger that I was watching the other day. Oh, good Lord. Thanks, everybody. We love Power Rangers, and we know you do, too. We'll talk with you soon. Fabulous revision of a Superman. I could save a few bucks and stand around and read through the covers of the comics on the stand. But although every other page would be backwards, I suppose, I could still read the evens and the odds. Well, I don't know. Guess I haven't thought this all the way through. Plus, as soon as that comic book store guy knew, he kicked my butt out on the corner. Major spoiler, what a major spoiler. Oh, wait, I think I found a better way. If I was hulking green or gray, I could just buzz through that brick wall, take their comic books away. But then the little me would deal with all those tanks and bombs and guns. Have you ever tried to read a series with all that going on? Guess I need to rethink this plan. How would I bag and board my comics with such huge hands? Guess I already told ya. What a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. Oh, Stark Raven reads like a man of iron. I might not be surprised to find that I might actually have the heart cold to follow an entire storyline. What I really even need to keep up on all those escapades. I mean, who needs such distractions when your sister's such a babe? But the downside is such a beast. Being caught up in a fun bee in the Middle East with a king set the wind soldier. Spoilers is copyright 2012.